I identify with a boxer. I don't know. Maybe not. you laughed. I don't know. It hurts my feelings. So I want to thank you already. We have 57 trunks for Trunk or Treat this coming Flannel Fest. It is awesome. Thank you so much for that. We just need three more. Um, five to give us a little margin. And I, I just want to encourage you that if you've been kind of on the fence about it, remember, you don't have to buy any candy. That's what we've been having all this candy come in for. All you have to do is bring your trunk, put a little bit of decoration on it. As you saw that trunk outside, that's something like that is perfectly fine. And then give out candy that we give you. But there's an evangelism opportunity with this because we're going to have a show for the kids. And during that show in the student center, we are going to be presenting the gospel. There will be an opportunity for kids to respond to the gospel of Jesus Christ. So when you're giving out candy, you can evangelize by saying, oh, have you seen the show? Oh, you got to catch the show. That's all you've got to say. And because of your encouragement, some of those kids may be entering eternity. Talk about storing up a treasure in heaven. So I mean, is that worthwhile? Wow. So I know there might be more than three to five of you that want trunks now. But if you would, on your way out, just fill out those cards. We will use as many as we can. You will love it. Well, we've been, we are talking about something today that is near and dear to our hearts. And it has to do with our mindset regarding stuff. There's a lot of stuff that gets advertised. Have you noticed that? In 2007, there was this article that was written. I know, 2007. That's like the medieval period. Before iPhone. <laughs> I mean, was there anything before the iPhone? This is like before Instagram. What, what existed? People were still reading newspapers. Some of you don't know what those are. They're, anyway, 2007, there was a study that was done that said that on an average day, the average person interacts with advertising 5,000 times. Television, on the road, music, 5,000 interactions, some of them subliminal. Well, today... That number has gone up because of social media. It has now doubled. 10,000 interactions per day. And the thing about that is these interactions are all telling us what we need to do to have the, give, the good life. And that is buy this thing or get this service or buy this plan. And if we don't, then we're missing out you know how it is. If you don't have those shoes, then come on, really. And you're like, well, I should get those shoes. They're athletic shoes. Not that I'll ever do anything athletic in them because I want to get them dirty. But yeah, and then of course I'll need different colors for different outfits. You know how it goes. The latest iPhone. It can't be last year's iPhone. It has to be the latest iPhone. And what consumerism does is it teaches us that the way to happiness is to get the latest thing. And if you don't have the latest thing, you are missing out. This is propagating something that the human race has struggled with for many thousands of years, and that is 
a scarcity mindset is that there isn't enough, there's stuff that I don't have that is an obstacle to my own happiness, and there's not really enough to go around, so I have to spend whatever I need to spend to get that thing. And culture screams at us, and the message is this, the message is it's more blessed to get. But Jesus is so countercultural. Jesus, now Jesus lived in an environment where scarcity was a real deal. But Jesus kept saying the craziest things in this situation where, man, there are people who didn't know if they were going to live one day to the next. And Jesus is like, why are you worried about that? Look at the birds. They don't have to work. They're fine. Your heavenly Father takes care of them. You don't think he's going to take care of you? And it's like, Jesus, I just don't think you understand. Well, Jesus understood. How much more would he say that to us today? Well, there's something recorded that Jesus said in the book of Acts. And this isn't in the gospel. This is one of those cool things. Remember how John wrote in his gospel that, man, if we were to write down everything that Jesus said and did, there wouldn't be enough books to contain it. Well, this is one of those that's recorded later in the book of Acts that Paul is giving us. This is something Jesus said. This is so cool. Acts 20, verse 35. Jesus said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. Because Jesus was countercultural to the scarcity mindset. You know, there's not enough to go around. We got to divide it up and we got to, I got to save more of mine because somebody else might take it and then there won't be enough for me. Jesus had an abundance mindset. And in the abundance mindset, the goal is not to get, the goal is to be generous. And he says, actually, more blessed in this word in the Greek can be translated happier as well. Some translations will use the word happy. This is more joyful to give, a more fulfilled to give, more blessed to give. And it seems irrational with the way that we have been raised. I mean, think about it. From childhood, are we not raised to think that the primary goal here is to get stuff? Think about our birthdays. Think about how we celebrate Christmas. Think about our expectations in life. Think about how we think what we're going to do with the next raise. Well, next raise, I'm going to be able to do this and trade in this for that. Well, irrational, extravagant generosity is Jesus flipping the script and saying, no, I want to teach you what true fulfillment and happiness is. I just, I just want to point out, I'm so blessed to be a part of this church because this is something that this couple would never say about themselves just because, you know, it's, they would never say this about themselves, but I'm not them, so I can say it about them. I know a couple in this church that are, they lead the way with extravagant generosity in their giving they just, they just do, and they, will, they won't talk about it, but that's Pastor Glenn and Elaine Davis. Are you not thankful to have them as our pastors in this church? I just love them. And I know, you know, the, Pastor Glenn and I are always saying, we have the best congregation like, in the world. These people are so nice. They're so loving. And I think I know you well enough to know you want to give. 
You love that. You love giving and you want to give more, but you feel often like you can't. And I have been there. I want to be transparent a little later in this message and kind of give you my journey because boy, have I been there. How is it then to become irrationally generous? And that is the title of this message, When You Stop Holding Back. Let's just pray. Father, I want to thank you so much for your word. Thank you, Father, for every part of your word. Every part of your word is so valuable. We don't want to leave anything out. And this is a subject that's in there in spades. So, Father, we pray that you just open our hearts to receive and learn. And I pray, Father, that we can be liberated into generosity in a new way. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, and I want to welcome any of you who are here for the first time, our guests, and also those who are watching online for the first time. We love you. We are so glad that you're here. Can we just show appreciation for our guests today? And by the way, next week, you're not guests, you're family. You're family. This is how we do things here. We, we are so glad that you're home today. Well, we are in a series called Training Camp training camp. This is all about decisions. The direction of our lives are determined by the quality of our decisions. So one of the things that we've shared every single week that I think is kind of a, a foundation for understanding this is that when we're faced with whatever the situation is, you can say, I have already decided or pre-decided to take this action. And we've talked about readiness We've talked about consistency and faithfulness. We've talked about being devoted. And today we're talking about generosity, to predecide, to be generous, to train ourselves. Next week, I have a little insight on what next week is going to be like. Let me just tell you, you do not want to miss next week. This is conceivably life-changing. Please don't miss next week. Invite your friends. But in my life, I have actually trained myself to be generous. What I've noticed is that nobody accidentally becomes generous. I've never seen this in my life. People don't like, oh, you know, uh, I, I just suddenly noticed. All of a sudden, 10% is going to the church out of my paycheck. And suddenly, I, I don't know, uh, Groceries showed up at my neighbor's door that they were in need, and I, I, I went to the store and got them, but I, didn't, I had no idea I was doing it. It was just pure accident. People don't stumble into those things. It's something that has to be planned. And it's so amazing because all of us want to be there. We want to be generous. And tell me if you've ever known anyone in your life that thinks like this, which is, yes, I do. I do want to be that. And someday when I have more, when, you know, X happens, my business gets to a certain point or when I get to a certain level of a raise or I pay this off or win the lottery, then I will give more. But... I just want to encourage you, that is not how generous people think. It isn't. Generosity is not about what you have or what you don't have. It has to do with the heart. Have you noticed that there are some people that have almost nothing? 
very poor people, and some of them are very stingy. They will not give anything to anybody. But on the other hand, there are folks that have almost nothing who are very poor, and they are some of the most generous people that you would ever meet in your life. They would give you, the old phrase is, the shirt off their back, and they really would. On the other hand, have you noticed that there are some affluent people who have lots and lots of money and resources, but there is nothing forthcoming from uh, that affluent person in terms of giving at all or generosity. It'll never happen. On the other hand, there are affluent people who their generosity is changing the world. It is making an incredible difference in the kingdom of God. There so apparently it has nothing to do with how much or how little you have. It has to do with the heart. So here is kind of the standard for, for today's message, and we're gonna go through a bunch of scriptures here. The standard is to train ourselves and learn to be generous now. Now, not someday when this happens or when that happens. Because if we don't do it now, it won't be later. There's a parable Jesus told in Luke chapter 12. So the setup is this. In this parable, there's a very wealthy man who has an unexpectedly huge harvest. I mean, this is like, whoa, wasn't expecting that much grain from this harvest. This is way over and above. So this is one of those situations, like if I win the lottery, then I'll be given left and right. So what does he do? Does he do that? No, he says, well, what am I gonna do here? I've got all this, I don't have enough room for it. I can't store it, I know what I'll do. Luke chapter 12, verse 18. Then he said, I know, see I was, I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones. Then I'll have enough room to store all my wheat and other goods. And I'll sit back and say to myself, self, my friend, you have enough stored away for years to come. Now take it easy, eat, drink, and be merry. There's no generosity. And the reason is because he's doing the same thing he always did. More money does not make you more generous. More money just makes you more of what you already are. That's the point of this parable. If you want to be generous when you have more, you have to learn. When I say you, by the way, I'm not talking about you. I'm talking about your friends. <laughs> I just want to set that straight here. So, okay. If you want to be generous when you have more, learn to be generous when you have less. There's so much in the Bible. I had to pick and choose what to take out because this is like, so much of this is in, is in the Bible, especially the New Testament, that if we didn't like it and we were like, let's take out all the giving and generosity passages, we'd be pulling whole pages out. But remember the story when Jesus went to the, the richer and new ruler, actually came to Jesus, like, what do I need to do to get to heaven? And Jesus like, well, obey the commandments. Yep, done all that. And Jesus like, you know, there's one more thing. Um, all your stuff, you need to give it up. Sell it, give to the poor, and then you can come follow me. 
And the rich young ruler's like, dude. And he left away sad. But then there's another story in the Gospels about Jesus and the disciples are Thank in the you so temple much for jo- people are giving their offerings and, and there's this widow who comes in with two mites, these tiny little bronze coins called prutas. They're tiny, they're worth a few pennies each. And she gives them and you know, disciples are like, really? I mean, that, I'd be embarrassed to just give that little. It was kind of going through their minds. And Jesus is like, you don't understand. This woman gave more than all these other people because that's all she had. It's not about how much or how little. It's about the heart. So what are some qualities of generous people? We're gonna go over two today. The first one, this is the big one. Generous people plan to be generous. I didn't save the best one for last, giving it to you up front. Generous people plan. So I know. Somebody's like, I thought generosity was like just randomly blessing people, like, you know, giving money to this guy in the corner, or maybe buying somebody's groceries unexpectedly, or paying it forward in the drive through, just, you know, random acts of kindness. And this is honestly how most people give most of the time. They see a need, or maybe there's a sad story. If I see a story about kittens in trouble, I wanna give. And I don't even like cats. (laughs) Or maybe there's a fundraiser, something that motivates or inspires people or something that even guilts them. And then they'll give a spontaneous gift as a result of that. Well, all of that is really good. Let's be clear here, that's giving. And it's wonderful, I love it, it's good, but it's not generosity. Giving is good, we wanna do it, but that, what I just described, is not generosity. Generous people do not need to be motivated or inspired or see a need or be guilted. Generous people are not reactive to circumstances. They don't just give when they see a need or when they have extra money or when they're prompted to or asked, generous people already have a plan. They already have a plan. How do I know this? I'm not making it up because the Bible says it. <laughs> Isaiah chapter 32, verse eight. But generous people plan to do what is generous. And they stand firm in their generosity. They stand firm in it. They're not waiting for more to come in. They're, they're, no, they're, it's not, generosity is not what you do. Generosity is who you are. So most of us do have a plan, but that plan involves consuming. <laughs> we plan to consume. We are like, you know, I'm hoping, you know, that once the chip shortage ends that I can trade in my car I'm planning on which one I want. Man, I really like the style of the new Toyota Camry. I want to get a hybrid, obviously, because of the gas prices. I'm not ready to go electric, but I'm thinking if I do a lease deal for three years, and then I can... We do all this planning on what we want to get. Have you noticed that? Housing, I think housing prices are coming down now, so I think maybe in about a year, 18 months, it'll be right where I want to be, even if interest rates are higher. I'm going to... People do all this planning. People use coupons, right? My wife 
loves coupons. Pastor Glenn, he loves coupons. He and my wife are in cahoots, I think, with the coupons. I don't know. Me, I feel like if I go to the store and look at the price and it's in the butt, I don't, you know, all the papers and gadgets and reward cards. I don't know. It's just not for me. But coupons, you don't have a coupon for a house, I don't think. I don't think that exists. But for other stuff or saving up for things, it's all planning to consume. But generous people don't only plan their consumption. Generous people plan their giving. It's strategic. They prayerfully design their whole lives around generosity. It's not just spontaneous. It's not even an emotional thing. It's not random. It's so intentional. But someone might say, Pastor Tim, that is great, but I am just not a, a planner when it comes to finances. I just, I don't plan. And I humbly disagree. You have a plan. Might not be a good plan. Might not be written down. <laughs> you may not have it in your mind, but there is some sort of plan that you're following. So the plan is usually this. There's like a wheel. And it goes like this. And God supplies, because he does. God supplies all of them what we have. And then person spends. And then after spending it, you gotta make more, but there's a lack of margin because you're spending more than you make. And then it causes you to worry. It's like, well, how am I gonna deal with this margin here? I'll have to put it on credit, but then that starts snowballing in a bad way. And then so you worry more, and then, then you gotta spend more to make yourself feel better, and then well, you see what happens there. This is actually not a money problem. It's a spiritual problem. It's a spiritual problem. Because the person who's caught up in this, in this you know, vortex is trusting things instead of God. And trusting money rather than God. Generous people, they break this whole cycle by putting God first. You know how Jesus said, Matthew 6, seek ye first the kingdom of God, and then all these things will be added to you? You remember that? I wonder if that applies. So, so here, here is like our life. This is very sophisticated. I just want you to know these are ping pong balls. So this is our life, and in our life there's stuff that, we, that we've got to deal with and handle. And some of it's important. There's a house payment. But some of it's like those shoes, you know, that we need to have. Or the, the Amazon Prime account to help us buy things more efficiently. <laughs> and, you know, I mean, there's the Starbucks. It's not every day. But every other day. But you see what happens after a while, it's like there's no room to be generous because this has filled up my whole life. I'm barely hanging on to it. And what God says is, you know what? If you trust me with my spirit and let me do things my way, make me the foundation of your life, go ahead, surrender to me. It's something what happens is we find that there's certain things we don't really need. 
And isn't it better to have a life that rests on a foundation of his grace instead of a life that's founded on other stuff? Isn't it better? So there's a principle in scripture on how to put God first and it's something called the tithe, the tithe. And um, there's a scripture that we'll look at together that talks about the tithe, there's many, but Malachi chapter three, verse 10. This is God speaking here. He's saying, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. And the word tithe, I know tithe, this is like a King James word. What does that mean? The word there in Hebrew is ma'aser, and it means 10%. It means a tenth. So 10%. So personal story. When I was a youth pastor, 20 years old, maybe 19 and a half, it's 1986, and I'd just gotten a raise. I was making a whole $150 a week. Woo, yes. Now, I know some of you are thinking, well, that was 1986, so that was probably enough to buy a car. I don't know, inflation. It wasn't very much money. It was very, very hard. So I was working about 50 hours a week, and then I was going to school still, and, you know, $150 doesn't go very far. So I'm like, I'm giving, but 15 bucks? That's a huge dent. I mean, how am I going to make it? So I'd give $5 a week, $6, $7 a week. And you're feeling my pain, right? I mean, this is like, I'm eating boxed mashed potatoes. So I was on the phone with a friend of mine that, that uh, I went to school with and we kept in touch and we were talking. He lived out of state and uh, it was his call so I didn't have to pay for it. And back in those days, anyway. So we're on the phone talking. He's like, man, I just, uh, I just learned something really cool about giving. I'm like, uh-huh, oh, and, and what other kind of stuff are you learning? No, 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 let me tell you about this. He says, I just learned how important the tithe was, that it's not just from the Mosaic law, but it precedes the Mosaic law by hundreds of years. It was a principle in scripture that Abraham did. That was long before the law. I'm like, yeah, 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 that's, you know, I'm the one going to Bible college. I didn't say that, but, you know, I'm getting a little uncomfortable. And he's saying, but what really struck me is I heard someone say that because that 10%, that's just acknowledging that God has a controlling interest in your life for all of it. It's not, you know, it's God's, that's God's. But the generosity begins at 11%. And I'm like, I gotta go. <laughs> it's... You know, your face gets hot. You know, you get kind of itchy and sweaty. You know, you ever been there? Not that you're there right now, but have you ever been there in your whole life? So I'm like, in order to do this, I'm gonna have to reorder my life and priorities around God. <laughs> it's almost like God knows what this does. This is the only time in scripture, the only time when God says, I want you to test me because testing God is not a good thing. But here this one time, Malachi chapter three, verse 10, second part, he says, test me in this, says the Lord God Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. Test me, he says, see if I don't provide for you. And I wanna tell you something, 
since I made that change in my heart and in my life, God has never failed me with that 90% that he lets me keep. It's never failed me. This is not the prosperity gospel, by the way. This is not a give so you can get more back. That's, this is the generosity gospel. God so loved the world that he what? He gave. And did he give more than we give? Oh, yes, he did. His only son. It is more blessed to give than to receive. So let this sink into your heart. Generosity is not a way to get ahead in life. Generosity is one of the things life is for. It's one of the things life is for. So that old wheel of, you know, God supplies, and then you spend more than you make, and then you lack margin, and then you worry more. This is a new wheel. God supplies. He blesses. So it builds your faith, and you give. And then God blesses, and it builds your faith, and you give. This is planning it out. You've already trained yourself. Don't give God just what's left over. Let's give him first. So we give God our first and our best, and then we trust him to bless the rest. This is, this is the thing. It starts with the tithe, and it grows from there. It's not accidental. It's not accidental. I want to give you this challenge because this is, for, this is for everyone. And there are people in this room that are like, I just can't do 10% right now. I just want to challenge you. Let's say you only give once in a while. Make the change to give that gift more regularly. If you don't give anything at all, start at 1%. If you give 1%, go to 2 or 3%. If you are tithing faithfully, well, you already know how much God blesses. You, you know. The world of generosity is now open to you. I've had people between services telling me, man, I know that 10%. It's like I don't, I don't ever miss it because of what God does in my life. But I want to encourage you to. Please don't feel bad. That's not what this is about. Those of you who are here, you are already generous to such a degree because of what you fund in this church. Do you know in the men's ministry, men of countryside, you're awesome. In the men's ministry, there was an idea that someone had in this ministry. It wasn't me. It was an idea that somebody had who, by the way, was singing in the choir this morning. One of the guys. It's like, you know, it's so hard sometimes to give cash people on the side of the road because you don't know what they're going to do with it. So we came up with this idea to gather stuff, underarm deodorant and socks and gift cards and and granola bars and different things and put them in a bag and guys will keep these bags in their car so that they can give to the people on the side of the road when there's need. This is, your generosity is funding this. All of you are funding helping hands. Gives away 50 pounds worth of groceries to each person, hundreds and hundreds of people a week. Your generosity does that. All of you have built these two buildings, two churches in Nicaragua, the home church and the satellite church in Nicaragua and the feeding center to help those who are in need. All of you are financing ministries here. We've got like 140 preschoolers, 150 elementary schoolers. We've got three to 400 uh, high school and middle schoolers on Wednesday night. This is all here on campus. Over 100 young adults and your generosity 
is funding that and life change so that people can hear about Jesus and live for Jesus. Generous people plan to be generous. And generous people, secondly, always round up. I'm not gonna spend too much time on this one. This is just, I, sometimes this drives my wife crazy, or it used to, she's, she's all on board now. But when we first started going out and we'd get really bad service and like the server was mean, and then I would tip 20% and round up, and she'd be like, that's, no, why are you doing that? I'm like, because. They know that they gave horrible, mean service, and now I can write, God bless you, Jesus loves you, on the receipt, and they'll receive it. <laughs> Always round up. It's the scarcity mindset versus the abundance mindset. Proverbs 21 says, all day long he, this is talking about the lazy and the selfish, craves and craves, scarcity mindset, but the righteous gives and does not hold back abundance mindset. Solomon wrote that. So <laughs> this is not just about random giving. It's not just about waiting for more. Generous people make a plan. Generous people always round up. I want to thank God that he changed my heart. My nature was not generous. I grew up with very little. So I always had this scarcity mindset. I, I was not generous. And it wasn't a money problem. It was a spiritual problem. Until God got a hold of my heart. Here I was, I was in Bible college. And I don't know, I, I'm thinking, you know, if I was alive in Jesus' day, when he was here physically on earth before he died and rose again. When Jesus was here doing his thing and I were present, maybe if he didn't choose me as one of the 12, it's okay. But what I would move heaven and earth to raise as much as I could to fund that ministry, I would. I mean, I would do everything possible. I would keep as little as I could just to survive. Just, I mean, like the miracles, and it's Jesus, right? Wow, to be able to have an opportunity to do that? But I'm not living in AD 28. I'm living in 2022, and, and it's different. But is it really? When Jesus, after his resurrection, says, now I want you to go into all the world and spread the gospel, and he calls us his bride, and I'm saying, well, Jesus, you're good enough for me to live like that, but the bride isn't. Is that the way I really want to live my life? And it changed my heart. It changed my life. And so now I just look at things differently. No, I don't have a spare room full of toilet paper for Armageddon. I don't. I'll be fine. <laughs> in Armageddon without the toilet paper. Which, by the way, this isn't, this, I, maybe I shouldn't say this. <laughs> COVID is a serious thing, okay? I, I knew people who passed away. This is not, please, to take it lightly. But I'm just, why did all the toilet paper disappear for a respiratory pandemic? <laughs> if there's a lower GI pandemic, is all the Sudafed going to disappear? I just, I'm sorry, that was not, this little ADD there. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? <laughs> I think 
what I noticed first service is even on a day like this, this is where we're talking about generosity, there was quite a response to people maybe being here because the Holy Spirit has led them to receive God's generosity because God has given something freely with no strings attached, freely, which is forgiveness to anyone who calls on his name. If you're here today and maybe you've always heard that you had to work for or earn God's favor, that is not what grace is. That's not what the New Testament says at all. You don't clean yourself up to come to Jesus. You come as you are. Maybe you're here today saying, you know what, it's kind of time. <laughs> it's time to live for Jesus right now. And I do need his forgiveness. I would like new life. God wants to give it to you. And if you want to say, you know, Pastor Tim, would you just pray for me? So, Because that's the place I'm at right now. If everybody's head bowed, everybody's eyes closed, and I'm not going to embarrass you or call you out. But if that's you and you just want me to keep you in my prayers, I can count to three. When I do, would you just slip your hand up in the air? As soon as I see you can put it down. Hands already going up. One, two, three. Yes. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, there's like too many to. Wow. Thank you. Yes, I do see your hands. I do see them. I see them. Father, I just pray for all those who raise their hands today that you see their heart and their longing for you that only you can fill. I pray right now in Jesus' name that you would grant their request, that they would call out to you and that you would lavish them with your forgiveness and your new life and your eternal life. And I ask it in Jesus' name. And for the sake of those who raise their hands today, can everyone in this room join me in a prayer? And I wanna encourage you for you who raised your hands, that if you're praying this prayer sincerely in your heart for the first time, Bible says, call upon the name of the Lord, you will be saved. God always answers yes to this prayer. So would everyone pray after me, Father, I come to you in Jesus' name. I know I've done wrong. I know that I've sinned, but you sent your son to die for me and give me eternal life. So forgive me of my sins and give me new life. And I make Jesus my Lord, my Savior, and my God, in Jesus' name, amen, amen. Is God amazing or what? Wow. Would you stand with me now? I'm gonna say a blessing over you today. This is your blessing. And if the altar prayer team would also come up to the front, if you're one of those who raised your hands and you would like prayer one-on-one, -on -one, please see one of these altar prayer team members. They also have a book we wanna give you for free called A Fresh Start with God. But if you'd like prayer for any reason, please come see one of these prayer team members. But to receive your blessing now, if you would just open your hearts before him, if you'd like, you can turn your palms upward in an attitude of receiving. May you this day be blessed with every good gift of God. May you be blessed in every area of your life, in your health, in your relationships, in your family, in your work. May you be blessed in your finances and in your generosity. And may the Lord bless you and keep you. 
May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Do you still love me, church? I hope so. I love you. Have an amazing, beautiful day.